0: Welcome everyone. First, uh, I would like to express my gratitude to all of you for attending this uh, meditation retreat. Uh, Wish that uh, many people in the world uh, have the opportunity to meditate and uh, to hear all these uh, sublam teachings uh, of the Buddha. You're all here and because uh, your inner Buddha was awakened. Your inner Buddha or the Buddha within wants to be awakened to itself. That's really what is happening in the end is not so much uh, that uh, you as an individual have this uh, great, fantastic idea to come to this meditation retreat and to become enlightened and have good life. It's uh, more than that. And so uh, it's uh, wonderful to Even recognize that uh, this whole aspiration, motivation to come to this journey is uh, that uh, your inner Buddha is ready to be awakened to itself. And that uh, is also the impulse that uh, brought all of us here today. And this is all inspiring. I was uh, very inspired by that uh, the small group that uh, I spoke with uh, this afternoon, and that uh, smaller group almost become a window through which I have a little bit of idea about what is happening in everybody's journey in this uh, mahasangha Sangha and this uh, larger gathering, even though I didn't have the chance to speak with many of you. And then the sharing and that everybody offered to each other was really inspiring to me and I, walk away from that group with the feeling that uh, we're all doing a wonderful job. And this is uh, worthwhile to come here and to give our heart and time away to this uh, practice. Uh, many people are having quite profound insight uh, in terms of uh, Recognizing their mental patterns uh, and also uh, having uh, some big uh, inner releasement, uh, And then I uh, uh, quoted uh, this uh, great Dzogchen adept, Longchenba. By the way, what he said was very elaborated, poetic, but basically he said in one of his writings, you all here are doomed to be enlightened, uh, which is a very wonderful expression. And I kind of looked at everybody in the Zoom, and said that uh, I, we are all doomed to become enlightened, as Longchenpa said, the Uh, logic behind that is that uh, the intention that we have to enter this journey and to practice awareness is some kind of divine dawn shining in the old of our consciousness. So uh, so no later, or maybe we don't even have this so no later, we're already awakening to a certain extent, we're already transforming, I like to invite everybody to even review uh, your experience last three years and see that so much change happened and uh, one of the participants said that uh, and she is really enjoying this awareness to the extent that uh, she has a fear to lose that awareness when she goes from this uh, retreat as uh, one of the teachers. And that was a uh, uh, news or message that I was uh, looking forward to hearing from the participant. <laughs> so I talked about uh, uh, the fear and I said that uh, there are two kinds of fears a uh, fear of uh, going to the meditation retreat. That's the first fear that many people go through. It's a totally relational fear. Uh, for a lot of people going to a meditation retreat is very scary if they haven't tried it. Uh, they don't know what they're getting into and they uh, don't know whether they're going to fail or not. Uh, and they don't know they're able to keep uh, balance and uh, equanimity when they are going to sit with a group of uh, uh, friends, but lots of strangers. Uh, It's like almost like uh, maybe going to another planet like Mars or something like that without any kind of previous uh, experience. And then Even those who are well seasoned meditators who had done number of retreats have a a fear, literally, to go to meditation retreat. And there are many reasons behind the fear or the resistance to go on to meditation retreat. Uh, I think what is happening is that uh, uh, we Uh, often live unconsciously, which I mean that uh, we lead life and that is not uh, revolved around uh, reflection, awareness, uh, remembrance, uh, uh, but uh, uh, we live life that is very much uh, governed and run by unawareness and the unawakened mind quite often to the extent that uh, we are very much ruled by that uh, unawareness and being lost in our thoughts and totally believing our concepts, ideas uh, and uh, trapped in our old emotions and sometimes they just... uh, perpetuate uh, by themselves when there's no awareness. Uh, And as a result of it, uh, there's a conflict, uh, there's a suffering and so much that maybe people even don't know that we are uh, suffering. Uh, I don't think people know that they're suffering all the time. This is why uh, Buddha invited everybody to contemplate uh, the Four Noble Truths as a doorway to the inner liberation. One of the, the Four Noble Truths is the truth of suffering. And Buddha realized that uh, in order to be free, one must really need to go inside and to recognize one's own suffering as well as the suffering of the world. So we are often very much uh, lost in that uh, unawareness and uh, we may be suffering, we may be even inflicting pain on each other but without uh, even knowing it. And this is uh, the way things are quite often. And so that the unawareness becomes uh, uh, the very familiar world to our consciousness, like become almost like a comfort zone to the extent that uh, our ego does not really want to leave that world of uh, unawareness and uh, suffering. It's like somebody maybe discovered that uh, the cell in the prison is a a form of a sanctuary because uh, he or she lived there long enough that uh, it becomes quite comfortable. Maybe there is a attachment to the cells of that uh, cell in the prison, and maybe the world outside uh, seems to be quite uh, strange, uh, frightening, and don't know how to survive, or don't know how to even figure out the map. Uh, Just like that, uh, our mind uh, often becomes very much uh, attached and feel comfortable with uh, the unawareness, the mind that devoids awareness and reflection. And that's the reason, that even uh, not just uh, anybody, but the uh, well-seasoned meditators sometimes they have a fear to go to meditation retreat uh, because they have to enter sometimes whole new realm of a consciousness. Not talking about uh, the simple sacrifice that we have to do that we won't be able to maybe cook the food that we like to eat, our uh, comfort food, or maybe we won't be able to watch uh, Netflix anymore. (laughs) So there are uh, perhaps all these reasons, uh, obvious reasons and unconscious reasons why uh, people have a fear to go to retreat. Congratulations that you overcome that fear. That's why you're here. And then during the retreat, often, just like uh, one of you told me, this uh, extraordinary breakthrough happens uh, in which that uh, our mind wakes up, our heart opens, and we kind of realize that that uh, how liberating this awareness is and, and see how we have been living all along. We can look back and realize that we have been living unconsciously, lost in our thoughts and stuck with our anger, fear, and kind of suffered for no good reason sometimes. Not only that, we also see that uh, all our uh, unconscious habit and unawareness have a negative impact on oneself, but also uh, uh, on the people around us. Uh, I tell you one very interesting story uh, one of my dharma sisters who come to my retreat quite often and she told me that uh, her partner is not uh, into any kind of spiritual practices uh, so so this uh, person uh, my dharma sister comes to a lot of my talks and meditation retreats uh, so she told me that uh, her partner had uh, sometimes a very strong resistance that should be gone for retreat. Uh, And, uh, but uh, maybe after one year, her partner changed uh, his or her mind, uh, actually start supporting her going to uh, those meditation retreats because uh, her partner realized that she is actually transforming, becoming nicer person (laughs) and better person and their relationship got better so I think almost the partner said, when are you going to do that? The Buddhist retreat the next time. (laughs) So this is a a quite inspiring anecdote. Just like that, uh, we do transform and uh, that's why I was really inspired by hearing that uh, uh, you you are transforming. You are so much enjoying the awareness that uh, you said uh, you have a fear and the fear of losing awareness, fear of going away from this retreat. You said that you're afraid of that, that the moment you leave this retreat and then awareness will be lost and you'll be just falling back into that energetic, yeah, pull of fear, anxiety, self grasping. And so these two fears are very much known to many uh, meditators I even talked about it uh, so there is definitely the fear perhaps in some of you that uh, if you go from this retreat maybe you're going to go back and uh, just fall into old habits as nothing has ever happened as you haven't done retreat at all so anyway what I'm trying to say is that so it's really wonderful that you're enjoying this practice. I hope that you're enjoying this practice uh, and really finding that uh, and you're very much uh, immersed into awareness and awareness is doing all this uh, work for you. magically letting go, this meant uh, purification, opening heart, uh, just expanding your mind and dropping a lot of uh, mistaken ideas, concepts about life, uh, reality, people of world. uh, And that's my aspiration. And so I I talked about uh, and what to do with that uh, maybe in a while I will talk about it. Uh, So first, uh, I want to also talk about uh, that awareness is uh, a heart of all the spiritual disciplines. Uh, Many of you have a very rich spiritual background. Uh, You may have been practicing Bhakti Yoga or yogic disciplines in um, Hindu tradition or maybe Zen Vipassana Tibetan Buddhism such as dzogchen, and then uh, some of you are a little bit uh, new to those kind of disciplines but from observing my conversation with you, many of you have a quite a rich uh, background in a spiritual training. Uh, this uh, very uh, amazing Buddhist scholar from the 8th century, Shandindeva, who wrote a text known as Bodhisattva. In that uh, text, uh, he pretty much said that uh, if you don't realize the secret of the mind, and then all your effort to become happy or to become enlightened and to transcend uh, suffering becomes uh, uh, meaningless, of course, the sound a little bit a harsher statement. Uh, as you know, in the old days, these uh, Buddhist teachers tend to be a little bit radical. Their language can be sometimes uh, quite uh, theatrical, rhetorical, and radical. But he basically said that uh, unless we understand the secret of the mind, everything we do uh, becomes kind of pointless. That's what he said, especially spiritual practices. <laughs> and uh, so he said, uh, uh, basically the secret of mind is the awareness. It's not like some kind of fancy, Or exalted state of consciousness, like uh, samadhi or some kind of divine consciousness. The secret of mind is really obvious. It is the awareness. It is the mindfulness that uh, you're already enjoying. Uh, I I also remember that uh, not only Shantin Deva, but many the Buddhist adepts in the ancient uh, tried to point out this uh, same. Truth, which is that the heart of all the spiritual practices, the awareness. Uh, uh, One of the stories that there's a great Buddhist uh, yogi was walking somewhere in India and saw this princess was uh, doing her religious observance and she was uh, in the river in Ganges, the holy river. Ganges and she was reciting those holy incantations, mantras, prayers, and washing her body, bathing in the river in Ganges, the holy river, with this uh, idea that uh, that holy river purify all your karmas. And then, uh, that uh, yogi said that uh, spontaneously, well, uh, if this method works simply washing your body in the water, then all the fishermen in India would have been enlightened long time ago, but that's not the case. (laughs) The moment uh, the Yogi made that statement, the princess stopped, maybe what he has had some truth. And then the story becomes very interesting. In that moment, uh, they say some extraordinary enlightenment happened to her, simply by contemplating what this yogi said, but anyway, uh, all these uh, quotations and anecdotes are pointing out that uh, the very heart of uh, spiritual practices, the really essential means to set us free is uh, the practice that you're doing, and therefore, and let's take a moment to feel uh, the gratitude and feel lucky that we uh, found this amazing treasure, the treasure of awareness or the mindfulness uh, and Buddha himself become who he is, become enlightened by and um, practicing what you're practicing right now and uh, it's uh, really amazing to even think that the very practice that you are doing right now is the very practice that enlightened Buddha. It's not like Buddha did some kind of spatial practice, and that we don't know, and and, uh, we should not think that, uh, now I'm practicing this awareness, but maybe down the road, 10 years from now, I will figure out uh, the very methods, or the meditation that Buddha practiced that uh, made him enlightened. So this practice, what we are doing, is the very means that liberated Buddha. You can call it awareness, uh, you can call it uh, sati, mindfulness, you can call it uh, sampranjana, remembrance, uh, it's all the same thing. And awareness is a really uh, rich, it's a profound. We can spend a whole lifetime immersing and discovering all these different rich nuances of awareness as we and practice. Uh, and uh, Uh, Of course, uh, the standard uh, definition of awareness is that uh, we are mindful and uh, we're no longer deluded. We are very much uh, serene. That's the usual definition of awareness, but I think awareness can get really rich as you immerse into it. I sometimes feel that there's almost lack of a language expression to really describe all the amazing aspects of the awareness. I was uh, uh, listening to the also teachings of uh, 2D and uh, James. I was really inspired by their teaching on the awareness. Uh, It resonated with me and then many of you described your own experience of practice and awareness. Uh, They all come together just like that, uh, awareness is a, this, uh, a state of a mind that we're no longer trapped, we're no longer bound. If I really say what it is in very simple expression, that we're no longer lost in our thoughts, we're no longer bound by our experiences, our emotions, such as a fear, anxiety, anger, while we're not rejecting them, but there's a way that we can embrace them, dance even around them, but uh, not allow ourselves to be completely ruled by them. And and that alone is uh, such a a liberation. Uh, I read one time uh, somebody's journal on practicing awareness, uh, uh, especially in the form of Vipassana. Uh, I think that this was a Buddhist monk who did uh, a long period of a, a, Vipassana retreat and then he described uh, the journey that he went through and he said that uh, while meditating, this new insight uh, came to him and he saw that uh, uh, his consciousness has a different uh, layers. And the first layer that he come across is that his consciousness is this uh, conglomerate of uh, lots of uh, thoughts, uh, opinions, ideas, uh, preferences, uh, ulterior motives, uh, anger, hatred, shame, and jealousy, uh, he used the word, I think, conglomerate. And that is also a form of a awakening, it's a form of an insight, uh, maybe some of you can see just spontaneously without even trying to see, and that uh, uh, your consciousness as a uh, this conglomerate of all these uh, patterns uh, uh, you may have heard me telling this story that uh, uh, many years ago when they were trying to build uh, the new bay bridge in uh, uh, san francisco bay area and what they did is also dismantle the old bridge and one time I saw that all the bridge and uh, was in the process of dismantling, but uh, it's an extremely complex structure. And it's a literary conglomerate of uh, many components, uh, just countless components. And I, I thought oh, this is like perfect uh, analogy for our human consciousness, <laughs> which is uh, can be very complex and complicated, uh, a conglomerate of uh, thoughts, uh, emotions, uh, very old patterns, uh, like emotions that we couldn't uh, process, lots of belief systems, all kinds of belief systems. Uh, and some belief systems are taught by somebody, given by somebody as a free gift, even though it may not be really helpful to us. Uh, and some of them just popped up in our consciousness without knowing where they're coming from. And some of them are like we put lots of belief systems and uh, like basically uh, create a new belief systems uh, as a mental fusion or something like that. And then not only that uh, in this awareness, we can see all this conglomerate of our concepts, ideas, uh, but we see the falsehood of them And we feel that we can let go of them. And we can let go of them, we can dissolve them. And we see that there have been some kind of trap or chain in our psyche all along and binding us to very limiting reality. And we can see that if we can break those chains, we'll be happier or or we'll be more joyous or, or we have more ability to love and have more compassion and have more courage. Or we can see that if we can break those chains, chains of those old concepts of believers, maybe uh, we can see how another dimension of reality, and that can be even more sublime, inspiring, and benevolent, and also we kind of see that uh, all these old emotions like anger, resentment, uh, and they're there, and uh, we see that uh, they're holding us back from maybe opening our heart, or from learning how to love, how to even enjoy, and this uh, precious human existence, or or to have more ability to live our life fully. So all this uh, understanding sometimes happens, in the awareness without uh, need to do any kind of spatial practice or methods or inquiry. And uh, I hope that that is happening in, in many of us. Another aspect of awareness is uh, 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 self-knowledge. Of course, uh, there's more than that to the realm of awareness, which is this uh, inexhaustible treasure of the dharmas, the realization inside. uh, But uh, one of the wisdom inside that uh, arises, Sometimes, uh, naturally, when we practice awareness, that is self-knowledge. The reason I brought uh, the whole idea of self-knowledge is that, uh, and this was uh, talked about during the afternoon meeting with uh, maybe uh, 10 of you or maybe less than that. uh, We talked about uh, uh, the self-knowledge as a part of the a journey, and which is to to see some specific mental or, or psychological patterns, and that is maybe very rooted in our psyche, and we can see that maybe that whole pattern is somehow creating lots of obstacles in our life, even without knowing it. And one of you uh, said that you had uh, some kind of uh, repetitive or compulsive thoughts. And you said that uh, that has been some obstacle in your life. And here, uh, you might come across this realization, uh, kind of seeing there are some patterns inside you. Uh, old patterns. We, we don't have to name what it is. Uh, everyone would have a different uh, report, uh, but you may find some patterns right now, and uh, something that you maybe didn't expect, uh, and as uh, some kind of natural understanding, which remind me of a very famous uh, Zen Buddhist expression: "Stream quietly doing nothing, and spring comes, and grass grows naturally." And similarly, in the uh, Tibetan tradition, we say, if you sit in the right posture, the supreme realization will come to you. So what they're saying is that if you just practice the awareness, then uh, awakening, enlightenment, the realization, they all come to you one after the other. And one of the awakening that will come to us is the self-knowledge and self-knowledge is uh, enlightenment is a, I call it sometimes bitter enlightenment. <laughs> like bitter-tested enlightenment because usually people associate enlightenment with the bliss and ecstasy or being open-hearted, being one with everything. And that is true, but I think enlightenment is more than just being totally blissed out by realizing that you're one with everything or disillusion of ego. Uh, But enlightenment uh, has also this dimension of uh, awakening to yourself and and to your true nature, as well as to you as a human being with all your habits. And so, uh, when we practice uh, awareness, and then this uh, self knowledge happens on its own, and we see some old patterns in each of us really old one and we even didn't know that it was there. And we realized that uh, this old pattern has been a huge obstacle in our life. Uh, it is a almost force that uh, holding us back from evolving and from becoming enlightened, if you want to become enlightened or from maybe able to love more or have more joy, have more fearlessness, have more courage to uh, go out to the known and exploring the unknown, all new territory of the reality, or maybe ability to forgive or or ability to become more other-centered rather than self-centered. And we see this uh, kind of invisible Blocks in our consciousness. And uh, I even invite some of you to play with this very humorous method, kind of humorous method. We, we do that in the Tibetan tradition. We use uh, these uh, archetypes, old archetypes, to recognize these uh, patterns, psychological, mental patterns. Uh, and I often use these archetypes. And uh, For example, Mara is an archetype, and you can use that archetype. I think James and Trudy were talking about using the Mara as a way to uh, recognize our own unconscious habits or or some of those uh, uh, forces that may not be very wholesome if we allow ourselves to be ruled by them. And uh, uh, as a Tibetan culture, uh, there are a lot of archetypes. My culture is culture of uh, archetypes. And I kind of recommended one of you that uh, you might like to use this, uh, Tibetan Buddhist with this method, uh, use a particular archetypes to recognize your own patterns, your psychological patterns. Uh, and I even invite you to use an archetype such as sp- like spaghetti monster, <laughs> or or vampire and I think I told you that you can look inside you you know you may see some stuff inside you maybe you can see you have all the anger or some compulsive thoughts I think I told you that or you may have anxiety or you may have uh, this habit to compare yourself with others and with the loving kindness with the non-judging attitude you can actually kind of call them Say, hey, this is my spaghetti monster, and can be humorous, right? Maybe you have fear every time when the fear arises. You can call, "This is my spaghetti monster." Hey, how are you? Nice to see you. You know, I have known you for many, many years. Uh, you are still around me. I know you are going to be my perhaps a uh, uh, lifelong friend uh, or neighbor. And you can kind of say hello, nice to see you. You can even have a nice conversation with your spaghetti monster. So the uh, point is that uh, when you are able to recognize your patterns, either directly or you can be like kind of creative, playful, like the way uh, Tibetans do. I think this morning uh, 2D talked about rain. I don't know whether I've heard that before or not, but it's such a, such a wonderful method. Uh, it's like the ultimate uh, synthesis of the uh, Buddha's teachings, the rain. And uh, I think I'm going to use that as a mantra. You may not be uh, surprised if you run into me somewhere on the street uh, and with my Prayer beads, rain, 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 like that. <laughs> you know, lots of uh, Tibetan old people, they go around and hold their, all they do is uh, drink uh, tea, and then they uh, hold the prayer beads, called uh, mala or ontawa, and then they turn prayer wheel in the right hand, and they count usually mantra, like name of the divine or name of Buddha, So I'm humorously thinking about uh, maybe getting Mala and just go around and count the rain, rain, rain. It would be kind of funny, don't you think? But it would be very effective. (laughs) So yeah, it's really wonderful method, you need. Sometimes can we find one method and if we work on that and that has the secret to set us free. So if my memory is corrected the rain, the first one is recognizing. I mean, recognize, we don't even have to say rain, we can just say, R. that's even simpler, isn't it? <laughs> now the whole thing's becoming simple. You know, there's this expression that goes, that Buddha gave 84,000 teachings, which is a little bit too much for me, too many. And now we can say they all can be synthesized into rain. And now we say, rain can be synthesized into R it 's getting really better, so maybe you run into me counting on mala r r r r r, r like that <laughs> uh, that would be quite awesome so the I think recognition is just complete everything, so when we recognize and then what is really happening is uh, the freedom, liberation, and we are no longer identifying with the, the ego. Or the the thoughts, or, or the the habit, or the delusion, or the anger, or the fear. Instead, uh, in that moment, uh, we are completely in what you might like your true nature, your Buddha nature. In that moment, you're already in your Buddha nature. So that's why some uh, traditions in Buddhism use this technique, and which is really simple. It's inquiry, and they say. Uh, whenever you are experiencing thoughts or thoughts that you don't want to get stuck with, all you need is simply inquire who is experiencing. And they said, the moment you ask that question, who is experiencing their thought, that increases the power to take you to or into the realm of your true nature right there, which can't make sense So the recognition has that power. So uh, in the awareness, uh, maybe you might be able to recognize uh, some old patterns uh, and you can call them name. You don't have to name them, or if you want to be more like uh, playful with your practice, yes, you can bring some of the archetypes. You can call it uh, Mara or Spaghetti Monster, whatever you like to call. And then, and then, kind of learn how to be aware of that from now on, and not just hear while you are meditating with us. Just become aware of that and know where that pattern is. And as you carry awareness, then eventually go away. Uh, uh, also, uh, as you know that uh, uh, in some Buddhist tradition, they really have these fancy names. And one of the fence name is called uh, awareness holder. And there are people who call themselves as awareness holder, which which is a kind of really high, very sublime name or recognition to, to live up to. So I recommend uh, uh, not to call yourself awareness holder <laughs> in front of uh, uh, other people. But anyway, the point is that uh, the idea of being awareness holder is that you live in awareness all the time. Is that really possible or not? I think to a certain extent, uh, the idea of living in awareness all the time is not so much that uh, we'll be always in the state of consciousness that is exactly the same as uh, the state of mind when we meditate on a cushion, just like this morning, and that that will be impossible. But the the idea of a Being awareness holder or somebody who doesn't lose awareness completely means that somebody who's aware of his or her shadow or or whatever thought patterns or or, or some old habit, tipsy habit, maybe let's say, maybe fear or or maybe hatred or maybe judgment or maybe some kind of delusion or... or, uh, uh, Iranian's concepts about life or reality to other people. And I think as long as we are aware of that, uh, then and even though they don't go away, our habits, they don't go away, they, they tend to live a long time, but uh, I think there's way that we are not ruled by them. And maybe that's what uh, freedom means. That's what enlightenment means. That's what maybe liberation means. Uh, Enlightenment does not mean that we are completely purified uh, where everything is uh, just perfect. Our consciousness is completely pristine, dustless. uh, And and that seems to be a little bit, uh, almost uh, some kind of fantasy version of uh, enlightenment. And then, uh, so two things uh, that we might like to carry all the time in our mind, if we can. One is the practice, Uh, uh, not only during this retreat, but uh, in everyday life. uh, I hope that we can always take this practice because uh, 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 even though you might have really extraordinary experience right now, and uh, during this retreat, uh, you may feel that you are totally loving this practice, and maybe you have an impulse to call what you're experiencing as enlightenment or satori or nirvana. But then when we go away from this retreat, it's true that the last of our old habits come back. uh, And then sometimes maybe we may feel that uh, we are so ordinary that uh, as if we didn't do any retreat at all, that can happen too, it happened to many people. I'm talking from my own experience. (laughs) I uh, myself as example, this happened to me many times. You know, I used to lead lots of retreat, and then sometimes I feel so good in the middle of the retreat. I feel oh uh, maybe i 'm not going to suffer anymore I feel so i don 't know it 's peaceful and then I go back uh, and it usually doesn 't take a long time. All I need is go to the airport that 's the end of my <laughs> awareness. <laughs> Goodbye to the awareness, and then sometimes I used to have this doubt, you know, I, I had all these wonderful experiences, but now they're all gone, totally gone. So maybe the whole effort was a little bit of futile. I could stay at home instead of going to that meditation retreat. I at least can eat comfort food when I'm home, you know, maybe do things that are kind of hobby entertaining why I even went there to meditate or to lead all these retreats because they're all gone all the experiences the positive experience are gone I used to have that kind of doubt not anymore so one of the most important things is I think to have that uh, really strong commitment to to practice awareness and I offered I, I would like to offer some guidance how you can do that To to Uh, carry with awareness. By the way, when we look at the term mindfulness, it's very rich term, it's it's awareness, but also has the connotation of a remember to remember. And to remember is a very specific thing in Buddhism. To remember does not mean just we are awake right now or we're mindful right now, means to remember practice awareness all the time. So to remember has the various specific connotation to be mindful pretty much all the time to the best of your ability. So therefore to be mindful does not only mean that to be mindful right now when we sit together or when we just uh, sit in the Lord 's pasture, and tell the whole world now i 'm in the meditation, do not bother me, <laughs> maybe you can call me back in one hour that, that's one kind of mindfulness, but it has a really specific connotation to be mindful all the time, so it means remember in Tibetan tanshi to remember and uh, I, I think what we can do is uh, Every morning when we wake up, we might like to take moments to set intention and commitment. Either you recite some traditional liturgy or maybe you can compose your own liturgy or you can even recite verse or, or maybe a, 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 a poem that uh, help you to hold the uh, commitment and to, to practice. To, to practice to be mindful all the time, to the best of your ability, regardless of where you are, whether you're in the retreat, or you're at your home, or you are somewhere else, and that will change the very quality of your day. There will be awareness everywhere, even though you're not in the retreat. So um, the first of the most important thing is to, to practice awareness to the best of your ability. And, and to be mindful uh, all the time, if you can. And then I think the second uh, most important thing is uh, which I talked about is the uh, trust, the faith, and then trust trust that uh, somehow you're already transforming and you'll continue to uh, and transform and on that maybe the highest call in your life is uh, to do this work, this uh, work awareness. And uh, and knowing that uh, this work is uh, actually not your your choice, but it's kind of call from universe because there's maybe a divine or positive force in the universe as well as there are of course uh, some destructive forces, but there's definitely some divine or power force, maybe divine sound too religious, let's say there is a wonderful force in the universe that really wants us to wake up. And somehow we are very much uh, abducted nicely with that force, (laughs) that uh, wonderful force that won't wake us up. And it's not just that force, uh, not just that the good force want uh, you to wake up, but I think we want all humanity to wake up. so in that way, it's not even a some kind of personal thing. It's like uh, almost like some kind of universal grace that is already here, and and therefore our practice is uh, really for the whole humanity. And thank you so much for 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 coming here to practice, and uh, and thank you um, for having this desire to to go high. <laughs> uh, right, our first. Uh, our former first lady, Michelle Obama said, uh, "When if they go low, we go high. And that has been a mantra for me. So thank you for having that desire to go high. And let's continue to go high so we can maybe inspire everybody in the world to go high. Uh, gratitude. And so maybe we can sit for a while in silence and then do uh, A little bit of dedication and prayer, you're let's continue the and practice uh, and this is maybe the last session for the day where everyone come together as a maha sangha the uh, great uh, gathering the Holy sangha and then we uh, dedicate uh, all our effort in all our insight and our awareness as a, a blessing. And that uh, wakes us up, and that brings about uh, more sanity and wisdom, peace, love and kindness, and in, in the world, uh, I think Trudy said that uh, reason to the Jack, and she gave a, a retreat to reason to the attend by 11,000 people, very inspiring. And she said that uh, the title of the retreat is uh, bring the world together. That is what we needed right now. So, Everyone has to come together right now. And we are having a little bit of difficulty right now to bring everybody together, not just the whole world, but even one country, (laughs) you you might be noticing it, but uh, as humanity, we have to come together. And uh, we, we, of course, have that aspiration to come together. That aspiration is expressed in the songs and music, the poems throughout the history. Uh, But there are obviously uh, hindrances on the way, and uh, maybe our practice awareness is uh, the most powerful healing force that brings all of us together, the whole humanity together. Just like here, when I look at the Zoom, I I don't see everybody clearly. Uh, I need to wear reading glasses to really see clearly so uh, but i see lots of people i haven't really go through the pages uh, but i see many of you and uh, i see uh, we all different uh, expressions of the whatever you like call the primordial buddha that's what we will say in buddhism we are all different expressions of a primordial buddha and you can see even though we are same, we are human brothers sisters. We are the different expression of the primordial Buddha. But uh, you see, uh, uh, many of you are coming from quite different background, from different countries, uh, uh, and maybe different uh, uh, belief system ethnicity, gender, lifestyle. In some sense, we're so different from each other. And at the same time, we're so same. Isn't this kind of amazing? I think this retreat is a testimony that we can come together, the world can come together and, uh, and to learn how to love each other and, and to practice nonviolence towards each other. And, and to put all the boundaries behind, boundaries between races, and nationalities, countries, because these boundaries are actually creation of the ego that does not want to wake up. But there's a lamp shining in each of us. It is our desire to go high. Let's go high and let's dedicate to this practice that humanity wake up to the love, to the unity, and the same time, we can appreciate each other's uh, differences and uh, in individual expressions. Gratitude. Thank you, everyone.